Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Football.com and a DLF family of podcasts. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City, and this is a Superflex Super Show. I'm extra excited, extra energetic about this one because I've got one of my besties here. Jordan McNamara is back. Analytics of Dynasty is back. 2022 edition. If it's not live right now, it's like any minute now. So. Yeah, we're we're getting super close. Uh, so Jordan, awesome to have you back, my brother. It's always uh, always such a good time talking with you, and congrats on yet another edition of the book. Th- thanks, buddy. I you know I was in the I was like finishing writing, and it's a total fiasco at the end of it. And I was like, all right, I got to start arranging some some potential podcasts. And I was like, all right, the first one I want to do is with John. So, yes, so let's <laughs> nice. Do, let's do that. And so I was like, hey, when you when can we fit this in? <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Late Friday afternoon, weekend before it comes out. Got it. Perfect. Let's do this thing. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I don't know. It's when always an event for us. Like it's yeah, always- man. For uh, for me, it's definitely it's it's my Super Bowl for podcasting. So. <laughs> it's always fun. It's always fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, it'll be out uh, right at analyticsdynasty.com. You can go find it right at the top of the right at, right up at the top, um, and I'll have a link for it on the main page or whatever. But you know, if it's coming out this weekend, you can go over there and pre-order it too. So you'll have it whenever you're listening to this. You can go buy it. So nice, nice. Um, we're we're gonna get into the book a little bit. Uh, in this episode, obviously, that's a big part of why we do this, mm-hmm. um, this, uh, this episode. I mean, it's, it's just fun to talk with you. And there's, you know, we always come up with a lot of, a lot of stuff to, uh, to cover. But, you know, our primary purpose here is to, like, you just put all this work into this book. It's time for us to dissect it and, and uh, see what, what, where I can contradict it and uh, yeah. where you can set me straight. And uh, yeah, all, all good stuff. Um, but before we get to that, we, we started to scratch the surface on this uh, off air and you <laughs> you correctly said, all right, let's not do this again. <laughs> <laughs> Have this long, meaningful, drawn out conversation that doesn't get recorded. Let's not do that again. That's kind of the ongoing joke for us uh, from the first time that we uh, recorded together. So we just kind of stopped where we were, hit record got into this thing and now I want to get back to it uh, because there's uh, there's some very important, very meaningful stuff there. 
Uh, I was saying that, so we had you on, I had you on back in, I think, October, I want to say, right before mm-hmm. Halloween, I believe. Sounds about right. And uh, kind of in the, like a, a little bit in the middle of a, of a hiatus mm-hmm. of mine, um, which, which was awesome. Like it was, it was very much uh, needed uh, to get that episode in with you. Uh, we talked about Ron Swanson's pyramids and your own yes. personal pyramids. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it and it, it just made podcasting fun, which is something that I hadn't had a whole lot of to mm-hmm. that point through the 2021 season. Um, and it all kind of started with, you know, a lot of people are familiar with this, but right before the season started, you know, we lost Cam Akers, we lost J.K. Dobbins, we lost Travis Etienne. And I tweeted something along the lines of, you know, the takeaway here for a lot of people is going to be that, you know, the zero RB was kind of the winning strategy when the takeaway should be handcuff your own running backs. It made a huge mess. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the party, my friend. (laughs) Seriously. Maybe it was a rite of passage a little Uh bit, but right. I, I, as, as you know, Present company excluded. Mm-hmm. The analytics community can be absolutely ruthless mm-hmm. when you come after something that you know they feel strongly against. Like I, I mean, I had, I had some very specific names that I won't mention here, but some uh, some analytics guys coming in and telling me to delete my account. Like they're trying to cancel me over this. That's mm-hmm. that was. And I, I was just so mad that I was just like, all right, like I'm I'm out of here for a while. I was off mm-hmm. of Twitter for a while. And then mm-hmm. even when I came back, I was still just like, I'm not tweeting anything. I'm not going to say anything because you guys come after me like rabid freaking dogs. Right. Uh, and, you know, stop podcasting for a while. And other than that episode with you, which was a lot of fun and, uh, you know, gave me gave me a little bit of. Uh, momentum going into the off season here. So um the the whole point to this whole thing is the, the running back handcuffing thing. I kind of got the impression from Twitter. Now you got there when I was just kind of a pile of bones being picked at by the vultures. <laughs> but you 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 mentioned something uh, I think your uh, your response was something about um it kind of depends what you're going for. And I said, I can't do it right now, man. <laughs> I love you, but we can't talk about this right now. <laughs> right. But now I'm, I, I'm curious to hear it. I'm curious to hear your point of view. I, I, what I appreciate about you is that you still have that analytical mind, but you still seem to approach this stuff, a lot of this stuff very differently from a lot of the, uh, the other numbers butts. You kind of, you, you have very different takes and, and we see this in the book, by the way, I've already seen this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, this, this one, I just kind of have a feeling that you're going to have a slightly different version. I at least hope that your version doesn't include me, you know, quitting life. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, here's the deal. And I think, I think the, I, I produce a book every year that's called The Analytics of Dynasty, right? So uh, there's no secret on sort of what what goes into my process in terms of it's a numbers-based product. That said, I, I do think that there is 
Um, and I, I think both sides in the analytics, and I actually think there's a triad in, in Dynasty. There's an analytics crew. There's a there's a a film crew, and then there's really a value crew too. There's a, there's three different ways that you can really look at this game. Yeah. Um, and I think we all have things to add, and I think we all have things that that aren't particularly good, right? And I think we all have faults. So I just begin with that. Um, I I tend to think and. Um, you know, I, I take from the analytics in the tape debates and the in the value debates. Um, I, I take from it that that we can all learn something from each other. And so, for me, um, I love it when you know, and I, like when old players or, or retired players or retired coaches or something they 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 say these things about about analytics or. You know that oh we don't understand the game or yada yada like tell us what we're looking for right and so one of the things that I always find really interesting is when people say well you know like there's a there's a physicality aspect that you'll see later on in the game like that's great like I I tell us your theory and like let's test it you know what I mean let's see if that's actually like if we can find support for it that'll really help right and so we can find I, I think very much in that way um, you know finding you know taking a whole uh, sphere of 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 information in and and sort of using it makes a lot of sense another one you know uh, probably the best example that i can remember of analytics people using film-based stuff is uh you know the book astro ball which i discuss in the analytics of uh in the analytics of dynasty there was a you know they, they went through and they basically gave all of their scouts different uh grades basically how did you do and they said just keep go doing what you're doing and you know don't change right just keep valuing it the same way but then they knew like hey this guy uh, overestimates someone's fastball or underestimates someone's curveball or doesn't understand you know doesn't give enough credit for how players are going to develop hitting wise or whatever right Mm -hmm. so they sort of knew that right those things i think are really fascinating and there's a ton of value there and that's stuff that i think that we should do so that's the film versus analytics stuff you know put put everyone at peace go back to all your benches and we'll we can figure out you know we can test things against each other and, and and you know I think using film is a great way to, to expand analytics. So that's that. But the debate about running backs, I think it matters what you're trying to capture. So if you are trying to capture, if you are trying to protect your floor, you want to insulate your own guys, right? So if you have Zeke, you want to spend up on Pollard, right? Because what you're trying to do, if you're trying to protect your floor, right? If you're trying to protect against a bad outcome is you want to insure your own thing, right? It's like insuring your house. Um, you know, if I, if I, if I, my house, I don't want it to go to zero, right. Because I've got, it's basically the thing that I own. That's worth the most money. Most people that's their greatest investment. So you insure against it. You buy homeowners insurance and if it burns down, right, at least you get a check, right. You're going to lose some heirlooms. You're going to lose all your possessions, but at least you're going to get the money that it's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's owning your own, that's rostering your own backup running back. Right. If Zeke goes down, my insurance policy is Tony Pollard. Mm-hmm. And there you go. I, I like there's a value to that. So uh, at the right cost, I think there's a value to that. I tend to take the, I, I like the approach of instead of, um, I, I think owning your own house and playing dynasty are a little bit different because you're not just trying to, um, you know, make it through with your investment in, in dynasty, you're trying to win, right? So just a normalized return on your investment is probably not going to do it for you. 
right? So, you know, for, you know, people use the example of like, I need to diversify in the stock market, so I should do it in Dynasty. Well, no, you need to capture not just a, an average return. You need to capture a top, you know, eight return, really top 8% return, right? The best out of 12 teams in your league. And so I think you have to take a little bit different of a view. So I take the view more of, all right, I don't want to necessarily insure my own house, right? Insuring my own house probably isn't going to win me my league. Um, but if I can insure, you know, if I know my neighbor is a drunk and they smoke in bed and I can insure their house and their house burns down, right? I'm going to not only have my house, but I'm going to have the insurance payout from their house too. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think. That's, I think the running back thing is where if you ensure, if you're basically rostering other people's backups, right, that has a really elite outcome because when, when, you know, Clyde Edwards goes down, you get spot starts from Daryl, Daryl Williams, right? It, when, um, you know, Austin Eckler goes down, you get spot starts from Justin Jackson down the stretch this year. Like when you, um, you know, and you know, there's been other examples like Latavius Murray is the, the, literally the logo for the analytics of dynasty, right? Because of what he did. I talked about um, D'Angelo Williams back in the day when Le'Veon Bell got suspended. He was like the first one of this that actually prompted a lot of my research. Um, He came in and was basically the running back one in two different stretches during the season. It was basically like a 10 week span, basically over two stretches, the beginning and the end of the season where he was the running back one um, with a little interlude of, of Le'Veon Bell actually playing between a suspension and an injury. Um, those things have massive consequences, right? And it's additive, right? You you have Zeke instead of Pollard, you're adding in a spot start from Madison, or you're adding in a spot start from Justin Jackson, or a spot start from Daryl Williams, right? And I think that in that way, you give yourself the potential for an elite outcome. So the other thing I would say about this too is, as you look at this, right, it's really tough to get these right. By the way, like if you look at it right. now, and I went through some drafts that I did over the off season. Like it's impo- like I do this. Like I spend a ton of time on running backs. Like, this is something that I enjoy, and I spend a lot of time studying. the The ordering of which they were in like March of last year is comedic, right? Like I took shots on guys like Philip Lindsay, and then nine rounds later, I took shots on guys like Sonia Michelle. And so it's really difficult to get them right, right? I think right. the 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 actual precision comes in. You need it to be a volume approach, right? I think the 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 key to it is take a lot of shots, not necessarily specific shots, but a lot of them. And it, when you take a lot of them and constantly trying to update with more information, you know, um, that's where I think you can really get it right. So uh, the answer to your question is: it matters what you're trying, what your goal is, and that's with dynasty, and you know, across all of it, right? It, it matters what you're trying to accomplish is what you should. You know, your your tactic should be should reflect your ambition. And I think that what you're what you're looking for, what you're trying to protect against is how you answer that question. So I don't think there's a wrong answer. I just think that there's a it's a it's a value judgment about what you're worried about. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So and and the first thing I I will say is, you know, going into it, I knew that this is a pet issue of J.J. Zacharyson, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, if if you trigger something uh that that you know jj feels pretty passionately about you're gonna get a lot of the analytics community coming Mm -hmm. after you totally understand that and i and i actually did get the opportunity to talk with jj himself about it uh, in that twitter thread it was far more respectful than most of the interactions i had on that whole on the entire topic but the Mm -hmm. most 
you know, the most useful thing that I think him and I got to was the bottom line is, first of all, you have to figure out what are we actually talking about when it comes to quote unquote running back handcuff? Like who are those guys? Mm-hmm. Because at the time, you know, Travis Etienne hit was the the most recent injury. There's no way that you were calling James Robinson his handcuff. You know, if anything, Etienne was the Robinson handcuff. Um, and it was more likely going to be some kind of split where, you know, you're just kind of capturing a, a, a backfield that just, you know, neither if they were both healthy, neither one was really going to be startable. It was so mm-hmm. that's that's kind of a different proposition. Um, so you know, and and it's a little bit difficult even now, kind of looking back on the season to really figure out like who were the handcuffs and who were just uh, who just had kind of a different role, like a change of pace role or a pass catching downs type of role you know, who were, who are those guys? So it, it really kind of starts with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I will say, you know, just kind of stripping away the nuance a little bit, stripping away some of that, some of that extra context, uh, in the analogy that you give it, here's, here's kind of my perspective on it and the analogy of insuring your house versus insuring your neighbor's house, kind of where I'm coming at it from is if I insure my neighbor's house, but not my own house, my house is the one that burns down. You know, it's it's great that I've got that potential, but right at the moment I don't have a place to live, you know. Mm-hmm. So so that that was kind of the the thing that I think gets missed is you know, there's 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 uh, there's potential there. There there are ways for this to pay off in big big ways. But we also need to be able to set a, a lineup in a given week, you know. Uh- I think so. I, I actually think now that as you sort of say that, I think the analogy is better off of of not necessarily that I'm gonna, um, that I'm not necessarily just gonna pick out a and and pick out a specific house. It's that I'm gonna injure everyone else's other house, right? It's not that it's a specific <laughs> one. It's a lot of them, right? Yeah. And so you know, for me, so how this plays out, right, is. You know, and let's assume it's it's a ten man, you know, ten man starting lineup. You know, just stockish, right? It's a it's a super flex league, so you're starting a quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, a super flex, and a couple flex spots. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it's tight end premium, like you're gonna have options, right? So you know, it might be a tight end in there. Um, you know that that you have, right? You got a couple of depth tight ends. Um, you know, but but there wasn't. If you went deep at the running back position this year, like, and I'm talking like, you know, rostering more running backs than wide receivers, right? I roster typically two, twice as many running backs as I do wide receivers. There was never a shortage. Like there was just never. It's just never. Like I, I never had a problem starting people. There's just there was so many injuries this year. There were so many games where you just. There were weeks where I was like not playing guys that had top 20 product projections, right? Like I was sitting Barkley in weeks. Like there was, there was enough of these games that went along that I just, uh, and they happen every week. The problem is that we, what we find is it's really tough to conceive how that's going to happen in January or June or August or 
you know, week if we're if we're thinking about week fourteen, it's really tough for that to happen in week twelve, right? Yeah. I mean, Dearness Johnson, right? Like, you know, just keep you could go down the list. I mean, just look at the list of guys that that were top twelve guys in the championship week this year. It's Penny, it's it's Najee Harris, Daryl Williams, Boston Scott, Devin Singletary, Ramondre Stevenson. Those are the top six scorers in PPR scoring in week <laughs> seventeen this year. It gets better. AJ Dillon. David Montgomery, Alvin Kamara, Elijah Mitchell, Jarrett Patterson, and Austin Eckler. Right. So just in that, there's a half dozen guys that that at some point, shape, or form were probably or very close to free. Yeah. Okay. Um, or or beyond the second round of 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 uh of rookie draft picks, right? That mm-hmm. that's very cheap. <laughs> yeah. And so if you're taking that bet in mass, it's not that you're necessarily gonna pick the right one. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's that you're going to have picked enough of them that one of them will be right. Right. It's not, you know what I mean? So I tend to think of, and I, I've evolved on this a little bit. So I wouldn't necessarily, the more I play, the less I'm going to be in on a guy like Pollard and the more I'm going to be in on multiple guys later on. Right. Yeah. Because it's really tough to get the Pollard. It's tough to sharpshoot that, but your bet is more, I'm going to make a, a, a broad range bet on the backup position. Generally, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep cycling through them. Yeah. And if you do that, the math comes out that you're going to have, you know, if you have six to 10 backup running backs on your roster, the math is going to come out that you're going to have about at least one flexible one a week, if not better than that. And if not more than that. So that would sort of be my angle to that. And there's other ways to do it. Like AJ Dillon is, if you have AJ Dillon as a backup, like he's spot startable. The same with Daryl Williams at points. Like, you know what I mean? There was other Ramondre Stevenson. You could have played if you wanted to, right? Like mm-hmm. you were going to be left out in the dark. So I do think there's a variety of these guys, how they're priced and stuff. And as you look at them, like there's ways to, it's, it's really easy to sort of get to a spot where you're not rostering, you know, where you're not, you're not taking dead spots at the, at the position. The other thing is, is generally speaking, I think we worry too much about the back end of our roster. Like that stuff sort of figures it out. And a lot of guys sort of glum together at the back end of your roster, right? Where people really make a difference at the top of your roster. So, um, so that's sort of my take on it, generally speaking. Yeah. And, and that's one that, uh, that we do agree completely. I mean, you know, the, the roster build that I was talking about all off season last off season, you know, the super flex flywheel starting with quarterback extreme, but you know, the, the people really kind of focused in on the number of the sheer number of quarterbacks uh, that I was talking about taking and not really spending enough time getting comfortable with the idea of, you know, if you have two starting wide receiver spots, I was saying take four wide receivers done because there's kind of no real reason to take like you know especially if you if if you end up with some you know top end guys there was there's really no reason to take that guy out of your lineup as long as he's healthy and not on by you know i totally agree with that and and, which in fact i mean so this conclusion that i came to this actually came from you and from the analytics of dynasty i want to say the 2020 edition um, I think that's that's where you really kind of sold me on the idea that wide receiver depth just is, is not a, it should not be a priority. There's there's kind of no reason you're just taking up valuable roster space mm-hmm. by loading up on wide receivers. And the problem is people are really going to do it this year because we just had what 100%. I call 
I, I, I call it a wide receiver year is right. what we just had in 2021. And, and what it boils down to actually is it was kind of a bad year for running backs. You know, you didn't mm-hmm. get nearly what you expected from those top end running backs. You had a lot of missed games. You had some down games here and there. You had guys getting benched, you know, and, and you had uh, just kind of generally speaking, I don't have the numbers on this, but running back scoring seemed to be down, which makes the wide receivers look you know, stronger than what they actually are. And so now we're seeing an ADP wide receivers jumping way up. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson going in the first round of Superflex drafts. It's the first time that we've seen wide receivers really going in the first round of Superflex startups in over a year. Um, you know, Devonte Adams would sneak in here and there, but for the most part, people were focusing on quarterback and running back. Now people are feeling like, oh, wide receiver is a safe asset. Ignoring the fact that what actually happened here is we just got some confirmation that wide receiver is very deep, very safe. Mm-hmm. You can get them anywhere in your draft. <laughs> and yeah. there's still there's still no reason to take a lot of them. I, I agree with that. And I, it's funny because I, so I, I in this book, I went through something and we've talked about this. And actually, I think on the last we joked about this. Um, I've been sort of for a couple of years now, I've been working on like the uh, it's a knockoff on the Ron Swanson pyramid of greatness, but it's a, it's a hierarchy of it's the analytics of dynasty hierarchy of assets. And so I have different, like I actually have different assets. Right. And so I like, Hey, here's, and I've got, you know, so there's a, there's an actual pyramid in the book. It's a, it's a hierarchy of assets. So you have at the top of that, you got your, you got your, uh, you got your super, what I call super max quarterbacks. And then you have star assets, and then you've got core assets, and then you've got mm-hmm. contributing assets, and then you got non-contributing assets. And then basically below that, you got roster fodder. And so what I've done is basically tried to go and think about, you know, how, how do we build a team, right? How do we, um, you know, how, how do we, how do we sort of, what wins basically, right? You know, what, you know, and, and I think a lot of people think we think about it strategically. We look at a lot of players, but, but what really wins, right? We don't, we don't pay a ton of attention to that. We try, we fight about who's, you know, which player is better, but, but we don't really focus on like the types of players all that much. So I've tried to sort that out and, and go about it. And what I've come to find out is I really more so than ever before, like give me elite assets um, real good ones, right? Like, give me, give me high end assets. And I think that we think too much about, you know, the depth of our roster, the build, you know, and, and we got to remember something like, and part of it is the psychology of dynasty, which is for eight months out of the year, you're not doing anything right for eight months out of the year. You're having totally, you know, whether it's a philosophical debate or whether it's, um, you know, it's the non-scoring season, and as a result, you start thinking about things that don't, right? So you place an overabundance of importance on, you know, your, your, uh, the 10 through 20 guys on your roster. Whereas what you should really be paying attention to is trying to make, get as many elite guys as you can, right? So I've tried to really reshape how I think that. Um, years before, I would never do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I, you know, I've come and I found, and I lay it out in the book. I, I wonder if, part of it for me is, you know, I found new data that I think suggests that there's a lot more, you know, winning potential if you're trying to do it in the nearer term than to play long-term. Um, 
That's not to say I think you should cash in all your assets to play year to year. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think you could play in a nearer term window while still keeping a long term window open. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not something that I did a ton of, you know, prior to really the 2021 season. Um, and so I've changed with that way. And, you know, I, I think it matches up. It matches up math wise. It matches up anecdotally. Right. And it matches up with like, I don't know. I've lived through the last two years and I'm like, I might as well try and do stuff now instead of waiting for the future. Who the hell knows what's going to be. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> so, so that's really been my, my sort of approach to this is it's, it tends to be a little bit different than anything I've done analytics at dynasty wise. And it's really emphasizing the top elite guys being huge difference makers and sort of focusing there. That said, I don't know at wide receiver, if it makes a ton of sense to do that, right? Like that's the thing that I I've battled with. Like, because you're making a long-term bet you can i mean especially chase i think i think justin jefferson's a different galaxy but with chase the problem is his volume he's not he's just super efficient right and that stuff regresses whereas you know if you get a guy that's got 150 target projection and he's going against the jamar chase he's got 120 target projection like give me the guy that's got 150 target projection plus plus right like keenan allen plus plus for jamar chase is a winning bet most of the time. Right. Um, and that's simply if you're the only reason you would take the chase side is to protect, you know, the quote value. But I think if you go to the bank now and cash that value out and get a guy that's, you know, has a similar projection and maybe you don't do it in January, but you know, if you're doing it into the lead up to next year, um, you know, this, this upcoming season, I, you're you're cashing out the value chip and getting something that can be at or about as productive as Chase. Like that's a really intriguing thing. And that's something that I wouldn't do before. I would sort of worry about the roster value. I don't really care much about that as much anymore. I think there's different ways to there's different ways to store that that make more sense, I think, than just holding on to a high level wide receiver. Right. And and you also spend some time. I, I have no idea if this made it into the book or not, but I know that you, uh, and I mean, this might've been just kind of its own thing, but I know you spent some time in season working on, you know, ju- basically a strategy guide for rebuilding, mm-hmm. which I, I imagine a lot of this comes from that as well. You know, the, the idea that you invest in Jamar chase in order to kind of build around him. It it's and and, this this might be contra- contradictory to uh to the 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 pyramid essentially but um it sounds like this is kind of something that you're also on board with is you know building around Jamar Chase is kind of suboptimal just because of what it takes to get him is going to really kind of set you back uh in the you know in the in the broader scheme of things yeah it and it's what's the you know, what's the, what's the argument? Why are you taking him? Right. right. It would be the question I would ask. And if, the, if you think that Jamar chase is going to be the greatest wide receiver we've ever seen or something like, if that's what you think, then I don't have a problem with taking him. But if it's, Hey, look what he did as a rookie, you know, we can expect this going forward. I just, I, the, the answer to that is just look at what AJ Brown's career has been. Right. I mean, he did the super high efficiency, low volume rookie thing. We all got overboard right now. Uh, you know, now he's not, he hasn't been that guy. Right. And it's some injuries. Right. But, but it's a massive regression because I mean, Jamar chase cannot sustain 
either either he will be the greatest wide receiver that's ever played or he's going to regress right there's really no other you can't sustain the efficiency you can't sustain that production on um on that volume you just can't no one has done it so to keep doing it is you know he's either going to break every mole he's either going to be a glitch in the matrix or he's going to be or he's going to regress. And so I will bet that he's going to regress, right? I think that's the the smart money bet. Um, I don't think you should ever bet on someone being the glitch in the matrix. You bet on them regressing until they prove it, until it's Mahomes, right? Until it's, you know, until you see someone resurrect themselves on national television, right? That's when you believe that they're the glitch in the matrix. But um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, with, with, and so with Chase, like the, the ability to go down, right? To get larger and we like CD Lamp. Like CD Lamb produced one more point than Brandon Cooks this year. You know, what was the, how many firsts could you get trading CD Lamb for Brandon Cooks last year? It's probably two, would be my guess. Yeah. Right. If you traded CD Lamb for Brandon Cooks and two firsts, I think that's probably about the equation. Mm-hmm. Um, what for like you, you could have done a lot of other things with that first. Like you could have given both of those firsts for, I don't know, Deshaun Watson, if you wanted to, right. You probably didn't even need to do that, but you could have, right. Like you could, you probably at some point could have gotten Russell Wilson. You probably at some point could have gotten, you know, heck, you probably could have gotten maybe something close to Lamar Jackson for that cost. Mm -hmm. Right. You could have done a variety of different things with that, with that, um, with whatever that plus was on top of Brandon cooks. So it becomes a question of why do you, why are you valuing wide receivers in that way? If, if from a volume basis, they're replaceable, right? Because ultimately wide receiver is a volume position, right? It's a totally volume position. And I, I talk about the different positions and, and the higher, in the context of the hierarchy of assets. Um, I I actually talk about, you know, should you pivot up or should you pivot down, right? Quarterbacks, a pivot up position. You want to constantly be moving up. I think you can extract a ton of value at wide receiver by moving down, right? Tight end. You want to be moving up, right? Running back. I think it kind of depends, but um, you know, kind of where you are. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think the elite wide receiver thing should be done. I think we should, uh, and I used to do this, you know, I, Hey, let's get five elite wide receivers right off the bat. We're going to go productive struggle that no, I mean, I, I wrote a whole chapter in here, uh, uh you know, basically, um, confessing as a, as a, um, a reforming productive struggler. Um, and you know, I think that, I think it's, it's, uh, for a lot of reasons, I think there's flaws in that type of build. And I think it's, a, a um, something that I won't do anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm definitely there too. What I can tell you is, uh, we're in for a, a tough off season <laughs> of, of fighting that fight. But, um, because like I said, I mean, it was, it was a wide receiver year. And uh, now people are pretty focused on wide receivers and particularly the, the younger ones, Jefferson. That's good. Chase. That's good. Lamb, That's good Waddle. for us. Yeah. Right? yeah. You, the, the key to this is you don't argue with people. You just let them do it. Right. If, if your right. enemies, if your enemies making a mistake, just get out of their way. Right. Don't stop them. And yeah, I think that, sure. that is, you know, that's, that's, you know, uh, I think a, an easy one that, that's something that I've learned. Like I don't debate with people on Twitter anymore. They'd say, Hey, you're an idiot. Okay. <laughs> like that's, that's fine. That's good. Like there's, it's good to be on the other side of the market. And I think, you know, we see that a lot, you know, just if 
the, if your opponent, if your enemy is imploding on themselves, just stand there and watch. Right. If, right. And if they need some more gasoline, like hand it to them. Don't, don't, don't try and interfere. <laughs> right. Don't intervene. And so, um, you know, I, I like the fact that people are on the other side of this. That means there's more value for me. Like in prior years, I would never be in a volume running back type role, like at, at high cost. But I mean, this year you're going to get guys like, you know, you're going to get top 24 guys, uh, you know, probably guys like from running back 13 to 24 that it might include Kamara, Barkley, Elliott. I mean, um, you know, uh, there's going to be a variety of guys that are, that are high end producers in like their mid to mid ish 20s. But yeah, they might not be 21, but if they're 26, that there's still multiple years of window in there that like if you glom them together i might not want to take them at you know 103 in a startup but if i'm taking them at 603 or 503 right that's all upside you know sure. and so that's definitely i mean there's there's a ton of that opportunity this year there's a t- i think there's a ton of that and so and this is a you have to change right? you mm-hmm. have to you have to change and you know what being different isn't bad it's good yeah right? like being different isn't you know and, and then the, the the confessions of a recovering productive struggler chapter of the book i talk about that like it's not being different is good. It's not bad. It's good. You want to be different. Right. And, and that's how you can win in this game. Cause if you're different and right, like that's a massively upside situation. Yeah. So there there's, this definitely begs actually several questions. Uh, you know, first of all, just kind of focusing on startup strategy, mm-hmm. because what I will say is, you know, where, where I think that a lot of people's issues coming from, it's, it's not just recency bias when it comes to the, wide receiver versus running back position. That's certainly there. Like that's, that's kind of the surface level issue for people is, is looking back on 2021 and saying, man, there kind of weren't a lot of running backs to really, you you know, that you really felt good about on a weekly basis, especially considering where you had to draft a lot of them, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's, that's definitely a problem, but I think that it goes a little bit deeper than that. And this is where I can kind of empathize with people. I, like if, if you're just kind of blindly taking wide receivers because, you know, that's the last thing that you saw was Jamar Chase, you know, going for 260 and three touchdowns or whatever the hell it was. And you're thinking that that's the type of advantage that you're going to get every single week from every single wide receiver, which we know is not the case at all. Then I have no sympathy for you. Mm-hmm. When you screw up your startup, I have no sympathy. But if you're, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're actually stopping and thinking about it and saying, all right, like, I know that that's not what I'm getting. I know that it's not that wide receivers are particularly safe. It's just, I don't know what to do at running back, you know, because of the season that we just had, that we just saw, it it kind of feels like if you don't have Jonathan Taylor, you don't have Najee Harris, you know, what else, what else kind of is there, especially if you subscribe, which I do to the notion that it's better to get out early than it is to get out late. So, you know, while I agree with you on, you know, Kamara, for instance, and Dalvin cook, uh, Christian McCaffrey is one that I'm just completely out on partly because of his ADP, partly because of, um, the, you know, the nature of the injuries that are kind of piling up at this point. It's kind of beyond age. It's beyond usage. It's, it's, 
you know, it, I, I don't call, I don't like to call players injury prone, but Christian McCaffrey is about as close as we get at this mm-hmm. point. He was coming out of every single game with a new injury. So, you know, I, 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 to me, Kamara cook, you know, if they fall far enough in my startup, then, then sure. You know, I'll take that one year of production from them, but from a, a value standpoint, based on where I probably have to take them in a startup or outside the startup, you know, trading for them, like what it's going to cost versus, you know, like the, the probability of them having even one more, you know, elite level production type of season, much less, you know, multiple seasons in that range. Uh, The, the probability is just plummeting right now. So, you know, I think that probably what people are kind of running into there is, all right, so do I invest in Alvin Kamara and just know that there's a good chance that, you know, I'm going to take him here in the fourth round of my startup. He fell that far. I'm going to get one, you know, one potentially RB1 type of season out of him. And then, you know, the bottom just drops out. Or do I take a wide receiver, a young wide receiver who, you know, still has that, at least in theory, has that shelf life. Like, I think that's kind of what people are running into. And I have been, I don't know if you have any ideas, but I've been trying to figure out ways to, you know, kind of create a little bit more of an abundance mindset at running back. I'm wondering if you've, if, if you, like, do you have any, any words of wisdom on, you know, what to look for and how to feel better about the running back position so that you don't feel kind of thrust into that position of taking a wide receiver just because running back just feels so, you know, unstable. Yeah. I mean, I think in that range, I think you have to be sensitive. Um, you know, I, I think one way to go about it, honestly, is, you know, if you're playing, you know, I play a lot of safe leagues formats, it's super flex, it's tight end premium, right? If I, if I want to sort of guard against this problem, trade out of the area. And I don't yeah. think it's trade down. I think it's trade up, right? Like I am, I never was a trade up person. I think the market is begging you to do it now, begging you um, to trade up. And it's not trade up, you know, I'm going to mortgage future assets. It's, Hey, I'm going to mortgage, you know, flat, flat tiers, Right, and I'll move from the beginning of a relatively flat tier to the end of it, so that way I can move up, um, you know, and on a steep part of the curve, right? If we're if we're if we're just thinking about it in in terms of that, right? Like if you're if you're on a roller coaster, you know, moving up at the at the top, right? Moving back ten feet at the steep part is uh, <laughs> is you know moving you know further up if you were right earlier in the curve, right? That's a big difference in height. Whereas if you're at the end, right? it's it might be flat right so that's how i think of it and that's one of the things i looked at you know with the with the hierarchy of assets and those sorts of things um there's a steep drop from the elites and then it levels out and it doesn't level flat but it, it becomes very gradual from there on out uh, and you know i think the the key is is you got to exploit that you know people think it's a it's a flat you know it's flat it's not flat Right. Right. It's, it's a, it's a slope. It's like you were going down a slide, right? And then once you go down the slide, you get to the end and it flattens out, right? That's how the production curves look. 
And as a result of that, uh, or their expectation curves look, you know, that's what you can expect in terms of odds, in terms of wins and all that stuff. And so you have to be mindful of that. Right. And so I think if you're just staying in the middle, right, if you want to sit in fourth, you know, third, fourth, fifth round and say, all right, well, like, what am I going to do? Pick aging running backs or, you know, wide receivers that I'm sort of doing what everyone else is doing. Well, just don't do that. Right? <laughs> I mean, tra- use those picks and trade up. Right. Use those picks. And, you know, I'd rather pick in the in the first in the eighth than pick in the third and the fourth. Right. Because, and I, I, I don't know if that's totally doable, but like I gave, you know, I'll give, I'll use a perfect example. Last year I gave my, um, my second and my third and I moved uh, up into the first and I moved back into the sixth. Mm-hmm. And really what I did was I went from taking someone like CD lamb uh, in like the third to taking someone like, you know, Keenan Allen, in the sixth, right? There's not a difference there to me, right? With what I value, I value winning. There's not a, there's not a ton of difference there between those guys in terms of their winning equation, right? And actually with Allen, I might have higher seasonal upside in the next couple of years. And I'm not worried about what Lamb can offer me after that. I'll figure that out when I get there. Uh, but I'm, I'm making a big jump. You know, I'm jumping from, you know, instead of taking someone like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, I'm taking, you know, Dak Prescott, or, uh, you know, you know, I jumped up from a homes in one spot, but I, you know, I, um, you know, I'm taking a guy like Justin Herbert or, you know, Deshaun Watson, if he comes back, right. Those, those types of big time elite difference makers, I'm taking them, right. Because then what I have is I have multiple elite difference makers instead of having a quote, you know, um, value insulated wide receiver, I'm cashing the value out now and, mm-hmm. and spending it. And that's, and I'm not doing it in a haphazard way. I'm doing it in a very intentional way of, well, I'll let everyone else value different things and I'll value elite things. And that's sort of how I look at it. Yeah. So it, in the, in the book, talking about the pyramid, um, talking about core assets, but I, I actually, first of all, like just to kind of set the table here a little bit, do you feel like that when, when you wrote that, do you feel like your focus was more on the startup or was that more on, uh, you know, we're outside of the startup. My roster kind of is what it is now. How do I get to this point? Mm-hmm. I think it's both. Um, yeah. I, you know, I thought I, I, because I was sort of writing it while at the same time acting upon it in my leagues, whether that's in my startup draft or whether that's in my existing leagues. Um, you know, and I did some of these things, right? Like I traded, I mean, it's probably about the year anniversary of doing this. I traded uh, Mahomes, or sorry, I traded Matthew Stafford, actually, just before he got traded to the Rams, I traded Stafford, Mike Evans, and Juju Smith-Schuster for Mahomes, and he was Gus Edwards. And, you know, it was a massive, right? That is a, that's a huge leap, right? Frankly, I mean, from, you're looking quarterback, and again, I'm a, I'm a big Stafford fan. I'm a big Stafford fan. But when you look at sort of expectations over the next couple of years, that's, like a, a win and a half, maybe two win difference in terms of moving quarterbacks. And then, you know, well, yeah, I gave up a ton of flexibility at the wide receiver position. I gave up some depth. You know, it didn't, I, and I, again, I like all the players that I traded. I like above market. I like Mike Evans more than the market. I like Jesus Mishusta <laughs> more than the market. And I like Matthew Stafford more than the market. Um, so it was painful. But when you look at that, right, that's a, that's an example of you're going from, you know, you're going from, a core asset, you know, and a couple contributing assets, right? That's 
how I would label them on the on the hierarchy to a supermax quarterback, the best one, right? There's not a close call in that. Right? Like that's that is a step that you take because the wide receivers, like they're they can be replaced, you know. And ultimately, um, I actually did that and and that league, I did it. Um, you know, I ended up doing another deal uh, later on to add more assets, right? And I gave I gave a, a ton of stuff away but I won a championship by doing it. Right. And I gave, you know, and I did it for elite players. Right. And I think that that's the thing, like, you know, in that league, I ran into one with, I had Ridley um, as my core wide receiver. Um, and I, you know, as, as, a, and I had Higgins and I actually had Cordero Patterson on my bench too. And I, so I lucked, I lucked into some production on the receiver uh, front, but got hurt by the Ridley thing. And I ended up packaging a couple of those guys together, Ridley and Higgins um, there was one other person and I gave a first and I ended up getting back digs and, and Hill, right? Again. So that's just consistently, uh, you know, and that picks one twelve, right? So I got a bunch of, I got two elite wide receivers that actually stacked with my quarterbacks of Allen and Mahomes. And, you know, you know, it's, it's really, and I like to think of it the way of, um, you know, think of what you'd want to look at, right. Or wouldn't want to look at. Right. If you're if you're looking at someone that's starting Mahomes and Allen and you're like, God, you know, like uh, and and they're starting, you know, elite, you know, elite, really good wide receivers, like top 10 projections. Right. You're starting Hill. You're starting Diggs. You're starting Devontae Adams. You're looking at that as your the opponent and being like, God, I'm, I don't know how I get around. Like, <laughs> like that's that's the type of thing you want to build. Right. Like that's what you're trying to build. And so that's really what I look at. You know, and then again, so that's in the existing league and it's more painful to do it there, right? Because you have attachments to some of your plays. It is harder to do it there. Don't get me wrong. And plus you have to make them, you got to match with people, right? This It's tough to do it there, right? I think that takes more work. I think it takes less work to do it in a startup draft, right? I mean, so I actually did a bunch of these. So I, I did some, I, I did the study, right? I did the, I did the research. I did the analysis for the book. And then I actually did some team building studies in the book that sort of go through uh, startup draft, uh, rebuilding team and a contending team, sort of how you apply some of these things. And I think, it, I think it helps out and sort of goes through a lot of the questions that you would have about like, Hey, how do you sort of do this? Like I sort of lay it out how I did it in all of them. So. Nice. I like that. One thing that I noticed, uh, you know, reading over the core asset stuff, um, you didn't have a lot of, of player names, which, you know, makes sense. We want this to be evergreen. We want this to, you know, want it to be applicable, you know, however many years down the road. Yep. Um, but, you know, just to just to focus in on 22, I am kind of curious about quarterbacks that you would put in that in that supermax area. Um, you know, quarterbacks that could get into that area, uh, but aren't there yet. Um, things like that, just to kind of like, to really kind of put it in perspective in terms of, you know, what are we talking about in or in order to get to that roster build, um, where you've got that, that advantage in that, that quarterback position locked down. Yeah. So the, so the super max, that's the tip of the spear. If you were to think of it as a hierarchy or as a pyramid. Um, and basically I have a couple of ways I look at it. So your super max quarterbacks are basically um, quarterbacks. They, they have to have like three more years of contractual security and either they are top five in ADP with a prior hit on their resume or top 10 in ADP with multiple prior hits. Right. So that's sort of the, I sort of let the market do some of the sorting for me. Right. And that's, 
and then you know i think you can think of it from there there's might be players in that range you might necessarily love um but this avoids some of the big misses right and i think when you sort of i think you can look at that that gives you the pool of players to kind of look at and then you can sort you can sift or sort through them um so really the guys i think you know and we'll see once we get a you know i'd like a little bit more you know, off season to sort of see ADP, see some drafts, you know, get, get a bigger sample in terms of all of that. Um, Cause I still think we are, it's early yet. And I th think we'll see some movement at the position, but for me, it's guys like Mahomes. It's, it's Prescott. It's Allen. Um, I would put Herbert in there. Um, you know, I think he qualifies both things. Um, he's got the three or more years of contractual security and because it's his rookie deal. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, and he's got multiple hits, right? So I think he qualifies. Um, Watson would be in there as well. Um, and so if, uh, you know, presuming he's back, you know, once he's back, he's in that thing. He's in mm -hmm. that, he's in that tier for me. Um, so I think now at a discount, he's a big, he's one that I think you, you kind of have to be aggressive on if, if you want that, because right? that's a way to crack that tier. It's something that doesn't cost that. Um, and so those are really the five guys. Then below that, like, I think there's a couple of guys that could vault into this. Um, you know, I, I, Stafford's one I have a really hard time with um, because I think he actually, he's 34. He'll be 34. Him and Wilson will both be 34. Um, and Wilson was in this tier last year and I've taken him out just because contractually, I'm not sure he had a disappointing season. Like there's some signs of potential decay, um, you know, or erosion in skills. And I just gives me a little bit of pause. Um, but I think if both of the, you know, if he, if he was traded locked in a long-term deal, I think I would think differently about it. You know, if Stafford signs, you know, five years, you know, 185 million, you know, in, in March, I think we think about him differently as well um, because I think he's on a longer trajectory as well. So those would be the guys that I would sit there and look at, you know, the guys that I'm not putting in there yet, it's Kyler and Lamar. Uh, hmm. I don't have Burrow in there because he hasn't hit twice. Um, uh, but I, I am a little, I am at a firm pause on Lamar and Kyler um, yeah. and Lamar. He needs a contract extension. Um, and he's regressed as a passer, including this year. That's the pause I have on him. And Kyler, um, uh, there was a quote in the playoff game that just, I've had this pause about Kyler for a while about how to think about him. Like he should qualify like that's should, he should qualify. Um, but I, I just haven't gotten all the way there yet. He hasn't done it for the full season. And, um, there was this quote during the game about, you know, the, the GM was talking about how this was the biggest week, you know, the most preparation he'd done in a week. And I was like, you know, who? No, you know, you don't say that about the guy that's always preparing, right? Like, right. <laughs> the guy that takes his job super seriously and is always there and is like working a ton. You don't comment about how, wow, he took this week really seriously because yeah. no one knows the difference, right? Like, yeah. like no one knows, like no one's measuring how much time Brady spent preparing, right? No <laughs> one's like Peyton Manning or Burrow or, you know, whatever, Josh Allen, right? Like, like, oh yeah, Josh Allen really spent a lot of time in here. Like, was it different? Well, no, not really. But like, all right, we didn't really comment on it. But like all of a sudden, like, all right, like Kyler Murray that pops up for it. Like no one else is talking, you know, it's like when people say, well, yeah, there, someone has to play the good cop to the bad cop for Kyle, for Carson Wentz. Be like, well, why the hell do you have to do that? You just, <laughs> what type of employee are you where you need a good cop, bad cop boss? Um, 
so that's the thing with Kyler. I just it gives me a little he there's just enough of uncertainty there about him that I, I just have a little bit of pause. I wouldn't put him in that tier even though he might qualify. I'm I'm kind of with you. I'm I've been having a hard time ranking Kyler, especially after the season he just had so he missed three games and then he had I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but between between the number of the games missed with injuries and just the you know, just the down games that he had, more than half of the season he was under two touchdowns, like total touchdowns in in uh, like eight or nine games. It was mm-hmm. it was it's like that's that's not elite. Right. And uh I mean I've still got him in the the upper tiers. Um Sounds like the 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 big one that you're probably going to disagree with uh, in my in my rankings. I know you're not a rankings guy, but I also have them tiered, um, mm-hmm. which helps a little bit. Yep. Um, but you know, Pat Mahomes is all alone in a tier for me, and then that next tier I think is probably the one that you're not going to like. In fact, I know it. Uh, it's Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are both there. Um, and then uh, next year, and I just did this, just made this adjustment today. But Josh Allen is all alone in a tier of his, of his own for me. After well. those two guys, yeah. So he's yeah. fourth. Yeah. So here's the thing that I have with why. That's just my question: <laughs> is why? No, yeah. no, I'm not. And, I don't. And, I'm just. I'm fascinated by this. Yeah. Uh, the the big reason for me, and it, obviously in that rarefied air, we're splitting hairs big time. So it's how do we do it? Um, to me, the big difference is Buffalo has the best defense in the league currently, at least they did in 2021, um, which means a little bit more conservative offense, um, it, you know, which which has so, you know, from a from a uh, consistency standpoint, I think that Josh Allen is. And this is something that I dig into every year. I haven't got there yet, but it's vitally important for me. I go back and look at game logs and see like how often were you in the top 12? How often were you in the top five? Um, You know, how, how bankable was it to get you in the lineup? Because as you know, you know, the, the difference between you and I uh, on our quarterback strategy is I'm, I'm looking for like a week to week advantage. And I don't, and I don't, at least to me, that's not always the same guy. And and I, I think that there are ways to predict that as well. I think that there are guys that you say, all right, there's a chance here that he, uh, you know, he's in a bad matchup this week. Uh, and, you know, this guy's in the best possible matchup. You know, there, there are times where you bench. There are times where you bench Josh Allen in favor of Ryan Tannehill. You know, <laughs> like to me, they're, 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 times that you can do that um, and create an advantage for yourself, at least a higher ceiling. So anyways, you know, I, I think that my guess is that Josh Allen is going to be one of the more consistent quarterbacks in the league, not just the quarterback one overall, but probably one of the more consistent ones. Um, but I think that his, my guess is that his ceiling was limited in comparison to, you know, Burrow and Herbert who were, you know, involved in a lot more shootouts. That's just my guess uh, without having fully uh, dug into it yet. That's interesting because, I mean, he's the back-to-back quarterback one. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and, 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 and that's thing, another thing. that there's, a, there's, there's probability there that, 
you know, this says that there's regression coming. It's See, so I rare. I don't think that there is. Yeah. See, here's the here's the thing that that I because I actually looked at this and I was like, well, it, and so I think it's worth noting that. So, <laughs> um, I was slow to be on board. Right, my history with Josh Allen is a little all over the place in terms of I hated him as the potential quarterback one overall. I didn't like that the bills took him as high as they did, but then he became a value in, in, in drafts. Right. And so, and you know, now I benefit because I'm a bills fan. Right. So I'm, I'm happy how it turned out despite the fact that I have to take a firm. I don't know. It's, it was a, it was an all over the place story. However, when you look at it, PFF has this metric, which I use a lot of their data. Um, they have an expected points per game. Um, and you look at their expected points per game, right? You know, they, they, they're using where you are on the field, you know, those sorts of, um, you know, a, a lot of their advanced metrics. And it's telling you, you know, what's your expectation in terms of scoring. And, you know, I'll just use safe league scoring um, because that's, um, you know, a league I play a lot of six point passing touchdowns, four point and negative four for interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um He's expected for 29.4 points per game. That's more than four points ahead of the next highest expectation. Yeah. That's a massive difference. Um, The other thing I look at in terms of, okay, like how, you know, well, does he assign for regression? Well, he's actually performed three points below his expectation. And you say, well, okay, why? Well, uh, he was expected for 44 and a half touchdowns and he's only through 36. Mm-hmm. Right. So I actually think that there's some ceiling there that's still left. Um, you know, the other thing is, is like, I don't know. I think I, if they led the, the league in scoring or were close to it, you know, um, he didn't necessarily need close games to, yeah, there were third and points scored, um, you know, at 28.4. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I sort of look at all that. I think he's grown as a passer. I think if there's any sign of regression, it's probably him as a rusher. Um, but the difference between a guy who's hit like between him and Burrow, um, the difference between a guy and, and just him and Burrow, it's not even like when you look at just the attempts, um, it's just a huge difference, right? It's just a huge, mm-hmm. I mean, 646 attempts for Josh Allen Burrow through 520 times. Like yeah. it's not, it's just way too hard to make up that difference against someone that's even with Allen considering he's elite. There's just a big gap there. The other thing too, is I looked at this and at the book, uh, Burroughs got one hit and I, I firmly suspect that he's going to be like a good long-term starter, but the one hit range is really dangerous. And there's a big difference between one and two hits. So if you look at even like him and Herbert, um, like there's a big, big, big expectation difference between the two of them. And we mm-hmm. haven't necessarily seen Burrow have that ceiling. So that would be the the caution that I would have on Burrow sort of up in that elite range. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. And that, as I said, I kind of have a feeling that that one is going to, I, I thought you would have a bigger issue with Burrow than Allen, but uh, you know, because he hasn't really earned, you know, second tier top three for dynasty he he hasn't done that just yet um a big part of it is the offense that he's in the weapons that he has uh the other part of it and and you know this is something that this this is this is going to be a little bit contradictory because to me there's regression coming for him as well like you don't you don't win in the nfl 
you can you obviously win in the NFL with offense. That's that at least in 2021, that was the recipe. But the goal is still for NFL franchises is to put together a defense that's competent enough to keep you out of those situations. And, you know, ultimately you want to win with defense. You want to win running the ball. You want to, you know, you, you want the offense to be there when you need it, especially in the passing game. You want it to be credible. Uh, but that's, that's not really the priority. And at some point, I think the Bengals are going to address that. And I think that it does mean that, you know, that's kind of where the regression comes from for Joe Burrow. But in the meantime, the, just the fact that this is their this is their path, you know, this is the way that they win games where the Buffalo Bills have a number of ways that they can win games. They can win games on the ground, including design runs for Josh Allen, granted, but you know they can they can win it throwing the ball they can run it win it running the ball they can win it with defense you know there's there's kind of a lot of different ways where right now there's kind of a really just kind of a singular path for the Bengals and that just kind of creates some offensive opportunity some fantasy scoring opportunity that like i said that's that's where i'm splitting the hairs um but yeah, I mean, there's there's also some si- significant risk there, and I pe- I think that people need to uh, to recognize that as well. The fact that he's he hasn't actually earned this; mm-hmm. it's all just based on you know potential, right? So, so I I would say this too: when you look at it on a per dropback basis, their fantasy points, uh, Allen ranks fourth at point six one. Uh, 0.60 for, for Burrow right behind him. So that's actually interesting. However, here's the stat and here's the thing I'd caution people on. It's the same reason I'm skeptical of Jamar Chase. 10 touchdowns more than 40 yards. 8 yeah. touchdowns more than 50 yards. Um, the next closest person, Brady at 6 touchdowns over 40 yards. The next closest behind him, actually Stafford at six touchdowns over 50 yards. So there's a huge gap there. And you look at all those other guys, there's a lot more volume there as well for, for the other, you know, for, for Stafford and for Brady compared to Burrow. Right. So he's doing it at an even higher rate. So yep. those would be the things that I'd worry about. I don't like to make, I don't like to make bets where I have to be sort of, I got to be on the positive side of regression. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of leeway for, the thing I like about Allen, same, same thing why I'm such a huge fan of Mahomes is there's a lot of outs. Like the, like things can go really wrong and still he's a top six scorer, right? Whereas yeah. things can go really wrong for, like things have to go really right for Burrow to be a top five finisher. Things don't have to go particularly right for Allen to be a top five finisher. Um, you know, if things go bad for Burrow, if he gets less lucky, he might be a... Uh, a quarterback 18 next year, right? That seems outrageous, but that's, uh, you know, very close in line with what his stats were. Uh, you know, he ranked in terms of, uh, in, in terms of passing attempts, he was 15th. He threw less, he threw the ball less times than Mac Jones did. So, you know, when you look at those things, it gives me a little bit of pause. He's low volume and he's built on high, um, high uh, uh, efficiency, high, um, you splash know, high variance, right? right? A lot of, a lot of regression there would sort of be my caution, um, and that those that's a risky floor type scenario. That's my caution with Burrow. Again, I like him, but just from a usage perspective, I think there's some worries that I have with him. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, and again, I mean, I I, I kind of just think that 
Well, we're 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 really just kind of talking again. You know the the uh, the underlying uh, context here is the difference in our strategies is to, is still coming into play. Um, like to me, I I just I look at Joe Burrow when you're making a weekly decision among you know two or three quarterbacks you know, and trying to figure out who's, who's starting for you at Superflex. To me, Joe Burrow is going to be, you know, the guy that stands out more often than not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a, in a good matchup, you're going to be like, Oh man, I can't wait to get Joe Burrow into my lineup. Um, but yeah, from a consistency standpoint, I think you're probably right. You know, if, if, if you're a set it and forget it guy, Josh Allen is, is, the way to go and man i could almost put them in the in the same tier together come to think of it but i don't know if i'm i I don't know if i want to keep making these these adjustments to my rankings i just put josh allen in a tier by himself because i just i felt like he does not belong in the same tier as lamar jackson kyler murray dak prescott um and and so dak prescott is another guy that i'm really curious uh, because I know that you're obviously much higher on him than I am. So mm-hmm. I, is he still your quarterback too? Um, I would put him behind Allen, I think. Okay. Um, I mean, I think it's tough to distinguish in that group, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I think I'll say this. I think Allen has a better argument at quarterback one than he does quarterback three. Mm-hmm. Um, would sort of be how I would look at him. And then I think, you know, it's Burrow or sorry, it's, it's Prescott and it's Herbert for me. Um, again, Watson's in that range. So I, I think Prescott's is as low as he could go would be quarterback four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, I could, uh, there's, right. It could change again. I think with Stafford and with, with those guys, um, I could see, you know, I would feel more confident, and this is going to sound hot takey. I feel more confident about elite production out of Stafford than I do Burrow. And it might, you know, there's an eight-year age difference between the two of them, but I'm worried about that more. That's a that's a five-year from now problem if I'm looking at the two of them, um, which I think is an interesting, you know, how you sort of value five years from now is, is I think, an interesting debate in Dynasty. Yeah. Um, but I could see, you know, if, if you told me Stafford was going to start for the Rams for the next five years, I'd have him probably at quarterback like five or six. Like that would be how high I would have him. Because um, I just feel really good about his floor and the ceiling. Yeah. 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 But that, yeah, with, but with Prescott, I have him, you know, he would be him and Herbert are right there together. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you, you know, largely what he is. And I think this year was a disappointing year and he still finished really high. So when that happens, um, that's a good indication of quarterbacks you want to invest in. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, could always talk about Aaron Rodgers, but we also, <laughs> I, I, I do that every week. And, uh, <laughs> um, plus we have a hard out coming up very soon. So I, I really kind of want to just, uh, just bottom line this a little bit. Um, so let's let's just cards on the table you know kind of what's the action item for you based on uh the core assets based on supermax like as essentially so it, it, here's the thing and i i 
I think I've told you about this. I know that I, I talk about it all the time here on the podcast, um, that, you know, one of my kind of one of my tentpole strategies is, well, you know, quarterback extreme. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm really pretty rigid on that. I believe that when you find something that you feel good about, when you, you know, you feel confident in it and it works for you, you just do it every single time. Like the people always say, you know, in the draft, you got to be water, you got to be flexible. You got to let it come to you. And I say F that because I know what works for me and I don't care what everybody else is doing around me. You know, they're, they're not going to stop me from doing what I know is going to be the roster that I can manage, you know, to success. Um, so, you know, and, and people have definitely tried and, you know, they've, they've had varying levels of success as far as, you know, keeping me from, uh, from winning in, in year one with quarterback extreme by, you know, stick me at the end of the first round and then draft a bunch of quarterbacks ahead of me and dare me to take Aaron Rodgers in the first round. Mm -hmm. I just did that. (laughs) It's just because that's, that's the roster build that I, that I, that I want and I know is effective for me. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. And like I, and so I would differ with, um, you know, where, where we might differ. And this is the thing about dynasty. There's a lot of ways to get to, you know, there's a lot of different strategies. Um, and I think if you find yourself in a situation where, um, you know, I, I think we, I could tell you like the most efficient thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we could tell you like, Hey, here's maybe a way to optimize. Um, yeah. but if you think that you can pick, you know, wide receivers, for example, better than the market can, um, I don't think that I can, but if you think that you can, mm-hmm. um, and you think that you're worse at picking running backs in the market, they'll then lean into that. You know, I, I don't, I don't think that that's true. Um, I don't right. think I can do that. I think it's really tough to do that, but if you think you can do it, um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, um, that would be one thing, you know, if you, if you, um, you know, I, and I don't think having different strategies is the wrong thing. And, right. you know, one of the things about the productive struggle is that everyone wants to do it. And one of the arguments in support of it is like, well, yeah, then you've got a trading market. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, the same way that, that, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily need to, fo- I don't need to be popular. You know, I don't need to, <laughs> you know, if I bring crack cocaine to a crack house, I'm going to be popular, but does doesn't mean it's a good idea. It doesn't right. mean it's smart. It doesn't mean it's plus it's... EV. It's better to sit on my couch and watch television, right? <laughs> that's that's one of the things that I think about is like, why would I do what everyone else is doing when I can sort of identify efficiencies um, and, it, and do the other thing? It's it's cheaper and easier to draft into it than to trade into it most of the time. So, yeah, um, yeah, and and I guess people would say like, hey, you need to, you know, you need to be attractive in the trade market. To what end would be the question that I would have for that is, well, do I want to, am I trying to do it, you know, draft, am I trying to draft attractive players to trade them? Is that mm-hmm. really what I'm trying to do? Or am I trying to win? Right. right? Like, and, and it's interesting because you do, you see some of these polls on Twitter and I actually include it in the book, you know, where, where people, you know, you're given four options, you know, what do you, what's your favorite thing? You know, the, the most common answer is, is winning. Right. But it's only like 38%. Right. That, you know, 
Um, a quarter of the people wanted, uh, you know, to build young, interesting teams. A quarter of them wanted to build future draft capital and the rest of them wanted to, you know, do something else. And it's like, wait a second, like less than half of this league is interested in winning, right? Like, <laughs> okay. And, and then if that's, if that's true, what does that say about the, the, the value of these players, right? If that is true, that, that, ha- that half of this league is interested in doing something other than winning, well, what are we doing? You know, right. why would I follow along with that? Because I'm interested in winning. Right? I want my subscribers to win. I want people that tune into the Football Guys podcast to win. I want purchases of the Animals Dynasty to win. I want subscribers to the Animals Dynasty podcast, you know, the, the Dynasty Daily podcast that we have. I want them to win. That's yeah. what I want to do. I want to win. Um, and, you know, and I, I, I think if, if some, if a lot of the market is doing other things, um, you know, and that's, you know, I jokingly call it, you know, um, I probably shouldn't use this on this podcast, but you know, you, you look at your roster and you think about how sexy it is all off season, right? You know, <laughs> the roster baiting is the term, is the, right. is the term. I think it's from the league actually. Um, uh, I can't, can't claim <laughs> yeah, it. That sounds um, right. Uh, but I've uh, heard Ryan but, McDowell say that too, by the yeah, way. Yeah. All right. Well then I feel like so, I can <laughs> if Ryan so, McDowell can say it out right, loud. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, you look at the mirror and talk, you know, you're talking to the, your roster about how sexy it is. Like, okay, well then it's, if everyone else, if you're posting it on Twitter to get, you know, to get people interested, you're probably doing it wrong, especially yeah. where most of that, that, you know, uh, that's going on in the off season, right. And it's going on in, in, um, in a marketplace that's not entirely interested in winning, which is crazy when you think about it. So um, I think rejecting a lot of that, you know, I wrote a lot about that in the book about why I think that there's a lot of things in the dynasty marketplace that go on that make um, that are suboptimal. And I think that if you sort of reject a lot of those things, you can be different. It can look very different. People are going to say that rosters look different. Like Jordan does crazy things. Um, you know, and I think ultimately we have a good return on investment on those, on those things that, you know, that's kind of what I like to, um, leave my subscribers and my listeners with. Yeah. I love that. I guess the point being, Like I take something away from it every single time we talk and I feel like I kind of add to add to my strategy, kind of, uh, you know, build it up a little bit stronger, reinforce it every single time. Um, And, I, you know, I think that you can do that. So like you're not going to change my mind on quarterback extreme, but you're you're going to change somebody's, you know, Mm -hmm. you're going to you're going to influence somebody's. Uh, decision making and, and overall strategy. So, is there, you know, based on that, for those people who are dying for something other than quarterback extreme on this podcast, is there one thing that you're going to do in every single startup draft? Um, I'm going to try and trade up for elite quarterbacks. Um, yeah. That's what I'm going to try and do. I think the other thing too is like I I talk about the two way go. So I. I think that there are ways and I laid out in the book about how to do it. There are ways to build teams that are both really competitive now and give you a lot of flexibility in the future. Um, and I think a lot of that is rejecting what everyone else wants to do and doing, doing the most optimal thing. You know, I, in multiple leagues, um, you know, and I laid it out in the book. I, I drafted Tom Brady last off season, mm-hmm. late in the off season. And I racked up on that. And I think I did that in one league. And I had four future first, maybe that draft. So I had both Brady and future first, um, which makes zero sense. 
on paper. <laughs> uh, but what what if if you're looking at it, right? I, I didn't intend to stay that way, right? And that's one of the things about the productive struggle is you got to see it through. You got to that's not, that's not I don't need to see anything through. I all I need to do is I didn't need to be right. Okay. I needed to be able to once I knew what was right to be able to lean in that direction. So whether or not picking Brady was right, right, whether or not my team build was right, I had the assets to go in whatever direction I wanted to go, right? So if if I was unsuccessful in my year one team build, I could lean into that. I had four future first. And if I was, you know, I built a Mahomes-Brady stack. Right? If that was right, I had all the assets in the world to sort of pour on that fire, right? Um, and I, I did that. And I got myself, you know, deep into the playoffs doing that. I ended up not winning, but uh, but when you look at it, right, like I, I was able to sort of that's not something that people would typically advise. Right? You don't you don't you don't correlate Brady with future picks because it makes zero sense. But I was doing it in the sense that they were assets that I was going to use in one way or another. Right. It wasn't a bet that I was actually right on my team build. It was that once I once the right thing revealed itself that I was able to do it. So I left myself ways to go in two ways. And I think that that is something that really that takes you a step further in terms of you know, the flexibility um, and, and all that to be able to do that. I think that's something that I'm really looking to build. Again, I write it in the book. You can check it out. But that's something that two-way go is something I think there's a lot of value in doing. That is the absolute goal in Dynasty. And uh, ha- if you are able to hack that, that's that's all <laughs> anyone needs. So so that's in uh, Analytics of Dynasty, the 2022 edition, available at analyticsofdynasty.com. Uh, you can also check out Jordan on analytics of dynasty, the podcast and the football guys dynasty podcast at McNamara dynasty on Twitter. Did I miss anything? I'll go check out all the stuff at analytics of dynasty.com and dynasty daily podcasts all off season. So there you go. We'll get John over there. We got to get John. We got to get John a channel on the analytics of dynasty podcast. Oh man. Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, after I uh, spent the first part of this podcast railing against analytics, guys, <laughs> now I'm going to become one. That would be <laughs> just poetic justice. Uh, man, we'll all get right. you a membership card. It'll be great. It'll be great. It'll be great. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Give me some street cred with those yeah. guys, with the numbers butts. <laughs> uh, um, man, so yeah, we hit our deadline here. Actually went a minute over and no, uh, still have a million things to talk about. So we, that means we have to do this again very soon. Uh, we're not going to wait the entire off season to talk to you again. We're going to get you back on as soon as possible. But in the meantime, always a pleasure talking to you, my brother. You're at one, seriously, just one of my absolute favorites. And it's, uh, this is always a podcast I look forward to. So thank you for coming on and for the time. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Of course. Let's wrap it up there. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF Family of Podcasts mega feed. Uh, Do me a huge favor and rate and review the Super Show. Helps me get out to more people and touch on more topics that are useful to you, my super friends. Get at me on Twitter at SuperFlexDude. The at SuperFlexShow account is still active as well. Uh, I can, uh, you know, help retweet trade polls, uh, answer questions, whatever you got. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Catullus. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah, 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 yeah.